Welcome to the Self-Content Podcast, where we share our content and our contentness about our lives. Today, we will be talking about relationships. My name is Jameson, and my partner here is named... James, and welcome to the podcast, everyone. Glad to have you here. Thanks for coming. This is our first podcast ever, besides episode zero, which you can also check out, which has some important information within it as well. Yeah, we're going to dive into sort of every aspect of it, and we're just going to bounce back and forth, and hopefully you enjoy what we have to share. Exactly, as it will be probably quite potent and uh, relating to many relationships in which we have in our life, although a little bit uh, more focus on the intimate level uh, of the relationship. Yeah, so we're going to skip over friendships and family ties and stuff like that, and we're just going to jump right into the uh, intimate connection of humans in regards to this. So what are some of the key components that add to a healthy relationship? Well, um, <laughs> there, there's definitely a lot there. Um, definitely a big can of worms we can open. But in regards to that, I would have to say it's communication for me. Communication has always been the number one. It's been the glue that keeps the relationship together to the extent that we're comfortable with uh, and happy and excited about. So definitely communication first off. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I sort of have like a top three uh, communication, hands down, um, learning to understand and be understood in a relationship. Number one, absolutely. I think another really big part of a healthy relationship is awareness, knowing where your partner has come from and what they've been through and how they were raised and finding connection through that and not just seeing the world through your eyes, sort of opening up and 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 being a part of that uh, that experience with them. You know, I think a failure to understand is actually probably one of the the biggest issues in in relationships. Yeah, I mean, communication is essential, and with that understanding and communicating in a way that we understand each party's upbringing and the potential different, um, I don't want to say um, conforming that they've been doing or the um, the way they've been brought up in a way to have them show up in a certain way. Um, and whether it's one person, two, three, ten, or whatever, um, it'll be interesting uh, to get to know them and also ha- be in their perspective or be in their shoes as well as your own to understand that they may have different values, opinions, beliefs, morals, etc., uh, to really understand where they're coming from and where you are coming from and how you can you know, come together and make a relationship together, even given the contrast between one another. Yeah, that's completely understandable. Uh, I loved how you worded that. That was great. So we're going to start off with uh, something that sort of plagues relationships and um, what they are these days, and that's hookup culture. So your hookup mm. apps, Tinder, Bumble, Hinged, that sort of thing. So yep. I want to know what your thoughts are on um, yep. if you think those yep. are affecting meaningful relationships and if they've brought anything to the forefront of how dating happens these days. Absolutely. I think I just want to quick mention that I'm currently in, so you know where I'm coming from. I'm currently in a monogamous relationship with uh, my, my fiance and that is the relationship that we have. And that's what I'll be talking from also then I'm talking from a brief time in my life when uh, that was important to me in regards to using Tinder um, and and actually experiencing that uh, type of thing or life. And I I will say in regards to the the socially known as now hookup culture on these apps is quite interesting, to say the least, where especially in COVID, that has (laughs) sure has rocked the uh, the area in that. But I know uh, people are still doing that, um, which is, you know, to each their own to an extent. But um, the thing is, it's all about intention. If you both communicate and are aware of what you want before you even go into the relationship, and you establish those ground rules and even those boundaries prior to going forward with what you want. Great. But it brings up the, Oh crap, there's emotions coming up now. There's sparks flying and maybe one has it feel like they want more and one doesn't. 
and what that can create. So you're really stepping into unknown territory to see what happens. And that can be dicey. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it also sort of brings up the topic of um, are these apps, which are catered to relationships, actually catered to sex? I think that's a very, very big distinction. Um, I'm also in a monogamous relationship, never really used dating apps. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, so it was sort of it was past my time. I was already into significant relationships when they started uh, becoming popular and whatnot. So with a relationship, there's communication on the front end. So that stuff doesn't have to be dealt with on the back end. And I think most dating apps, and I, I'm, I'm generalizing as well, and this is just my opinion, most dating apps are specifically for hookups. There are a lot of people on them trying to find meaningful relationships. Um but there's also a lot of people just looking to get laid. So that distinction there is 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 interesting. I also wonder, since we're talking about hookup apps and uh, hookup culture, what are your thoughts on ghosting? Because that's something that seems to be very prevalent in modern times. I don't remember when I was in high school and stuff like that. There was never really ghosting. Yeah. Um, we still had flip phones back then yeah. because I'm, you know, going to age myself a little bit. It was, I don't know. It seemed more cordial. Like there was face-to-face -face conversation. It wasn't through a text. People didn't just disappear. Um, how do you think that's changing society? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, <laughs> Just to comment on that, I mean, in regards to your experience with that, when things were more cordial and feelings were actually um, understood from each end without being a, a black and white text in regards to what's happening with, uh, you, you know, your significant other or, or whomever it may be, um, it definitely adds a new layer of complexity. But answering your question, I think it, uh, it really makes things more complex and easier to do in regards to ghosting, where you can sign up you could probably even sign up with a fake name and last name and fake photo and, and, and go in with your intent of just wanting to hook up with someone and running away. It really, it really saddens me to be quite honest. My heart hurts because of this, because part of me feels like you're really playing with their emotions, whether it's a female, a male or any other sex, you're really just playing with their emotions at that point. If your true intent from the get go was to come in have sex with them or be intimate with them and then simply move on without them understanding that that's what you were doing. Um, it's just, it's really unfortunate. And I know certain things can lead to being ghosted, but yeah. Yeah. I also I want to touch on something you were talking about there about uh, the emotions and stuff like that. And once again, this is, this is where some of the deceitfulness I feel comes from some of these apps where you know, people say they're looking for a relationship, right? But they're talking to 50, 60 people. They've got one goal in mind um, and they're not crystal clear about it, right? There is nothing wrong with wanting to hook up. There is nothing wrong with wanting to have sex. One night stands. There's nothing wrong with that, provided that there is some conversation on the forefront. Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Um don't be the person that leads someone on, starts to talk about the deep things, get the emotions going, have sex, and then disappear. That's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of despicable to me. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. It's really unfortunate. And as as people that really want to help others, often... This can happen where somebody is in a dark place, uh, per se, and they unfortunately are looking for uh, intimate connection or maybe a um, time of their lives that would be more exciting than the one they're in currently. And it would be maybe temporary, but it would bring them that release of serotonin, dopamine, etc. that would make them feel good for a little while. And, and help them through whatever they may be going through. 
And unfortunately, the uh, impact that can have on the other party, if not explained, can be detrimental because they may be interested in actually seeing where things could go when the other party may not have the same intentions at all. And ultimately coming back to communication and being upfront and honest. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that uh, sort of goes hand in hand with ghosting is do you feel that people deserve or should, and we don't like that word, but we're going to use it for this, this conversation. Do you feel that people deserve or should get an explanation for when someone leaves that, that type of relationship? So I know um, from talking to others and through life coaching and counseling and being a support system for many people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them feel like they're owed an explanation. What are your thoughts on that? I'm I'm pro explanation, um, at least ideally, but obviously not everybody's interested in actually giving an explanation on why um, they have may may have taken the action to leave the relationship suddenly or without explanation or without knowing, um, because you're leaving the other person hanging um, if not communicated to correctly. So in that case, it's really disheartening and it it makes me sad because they could be wondering why and what did go wrong and why why and what happened i mean it's just it's so frustrating and i i really do hope that they can get that explanation but uh, unfortunately not everybody has that intent so it sucks yeah i'm also very pro explanation it's nice to have one i feel that it creates um it's like the final ending. You get closure, you get you get to sort of understand where they were coming from. And I feel that in that situation, I'm pro um, or for explanations. I'm against explanations in the sense that someone feels that there is a they're not ready for the relationship to end. So I want to have this conversation so that I could try and convince my partner who's obviously done some thinking and has decided that this is not for them. I want to have that conversation. It's one last conversation. I've also had exes and this is something that I've like, for the most part, there was once, but for the most part I I denied and it was um, requesting one last like lovemaking session, one last physical time. And it's, it's something that's always been interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I'm usually the dump E, not the dumper. Um, and I'm usually in a place of hurt and pain. Right. And having that f- physical session is not, I don't know, it's not conducive to me healing. It's just like yeah. twisting the knife. So I want to know what your thoughts are on that one. Absolutely. I think you're just flirting with yourself. You're, you're, you're playing with yourself. You're just, you're, you're just getting, you're just getting yourself into uh, more trouble with yourself. Yeah. You can have a, a good time for however long with them potentially if they're open um, because maybe that part of the relationship was really good. But when it came to actually really sitting down and communicating and getting along on an everyday basis, maybe it wasn't. So therefore you want to go back for, that intimacy because it was so high or so potent and so great. So I totally get it. But ultimately at the end of the day, you're just, you're just flirting with yourself. I mean, you're just, you're prolonging the, the unfortunate pain and, and sorrow when it comes to this type of situation. Don't so, do it. It is a bad thing. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Bad, bad idea. Not responsible, but I totally get the uh, the want, the pull, the excitement because uh, yeah, yeah, it's it would be a release. It would be a release of uh, yourself and that that sense of connection again. That ultimately, if they're not interested in a long term relationship, yeah, you gotta face your demons, eat your frog um, sooner rather than later to have that uh, you know, a little bit more peaceful direction and and uh yeah 
It's very different from makeup <laughs> sex. Yes. Which at some point we'll talk about in this podcast as well. Um, so moving forward with hookup culture and ghosting and all these things, um, finding love out there is a difficult thing. Um, COVID has been a difficult thing for relationships. You touched a little bit mm-hmm. on it when we were talking about hookup culture and stuff like that. Um, so moving forward, let's jump from that to to setting boundaries when getting into a relationship. What's sort of acceptable at the beginning? <laughs> how upfront should you be? Um, you know, don't show up on the first date with like a 16-page contract kind of thing. But how... How do you feel that boundaries uh, come into play um, when setting the guidelines to the relationship? Absolutely. I think boundaries are huge. And unfortunately, I think I feel as if for whatever reason, growing up as a a now 23, almost 24 year old, boundaries weren't necessarily something ever really taught or talked about very much in school um, for whatever reason. And I feel like at one time in my life, they were very soft and they could easily be uh, overstep without me even realizing. And it did come down to me standing up with confidence and competence in that, um, in the area. So I never had that happen. And setting those boundaries from an early time in the relationship in terms of what makes you comfortable and what makes them or, or multiple of them comfortable will essentially have you strive in a direction that you're comfortable with. Like, it's kind of a maybe easy said, but not as commonly done because it can be overlooked. And sometimes we're not the most confident in what our boundaries even are. And it can make things interesting. Um, And going into the relationship and feeling it out for the first few days or weeks. And then along that time, implementing your boundaries in terms of what you like and and don't like or want out of it. Um, And the thing is, they might be different than what they want. And that will be another discussion that comes up. And uh, just, it's, it's key. It really is. And I think it's overlooked relationships are complicated (laughs) very in every aspect of the word there is no how to guide there's no quick learning you know mode for any of this um boundaries once again uh you mentioned that growing up you never you never were taught about boundaries um you were probably like most kids including myself do this do that this is what we ask yeah um, that sort of parenting, um, and we'll talk about parenting later on in um, in the podcast as well. Um, I I too remember as a child there never being a discussion about boundaries or conversation about it, and it was also never taught in school unless you took like in the latter in in high school, the latter half of high school, you had like your electives like psychology and stuff like that, and they do do discuss it in those, but never in depth and um i think boundaries are the foundation of a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. it has to be an open community it has to be an open conversation Mm -hmm. um and like you said i i also didn't have those growing up and it was a hard journey learning through failure yeah um, in past relationships to understand how important they actually are, not only for myself, but for the relationship and for the other person too. Yep. Um, this involves things like compromise. Yeah. See differently. We're not seeing eye to eye. What can we both do so that we come out of this situation? Win-win. Mm. <laughs> um, and sometimes a lot of that involves swallowing some pride yeah. and, you know, checking your ego. That's yeah. very true. Um, but I know I'm I'm a father of two. Uh, I mentioned that in episode one or zeros. Sorry, and uh, I have I have a son and I have a daughter. Um, I'm divorced. 
and my son is with my ex-wife and my daughter is with my current relationship. And with my son, there's a handful of things that I do set boundaries with. Um, and I teach him about his boundaries too. For example, tickling mm. and play fighting. I let him set his boundaries for that. When he says stop, when it comes to tickling or whatever we're doing, yeah. um, beating the crap out of each other, not actually, but yeah. he kicks my butt more than anything. Nice. <laughs> uh, when he says stop, that means stop. Yeah. Right? Um, with my daughter, I do other things. Um that show her sort of her expectations for men, right? I'm, I'm how she's going to learn how men should treat women. Right. Right. Um, so it's very important for me to, you know, use manners. And when I bring her, she's only two, but it's the, the actions that, that children pick up monkey see monkey do. Right. So if I'm kind to her mom, she'll recognize that this is how she's to be treated. Right. Yep. And when she gets into her teen years, hopefully any guy that comes around that doesn't treat her the way that I treat her, which is like a princess, let me just tell you. <laughs> I treat that woman like she's the freaking queen. Um, mm-hmm. She'll expect the same thing from boyfriends in the future, right? And right. obviously there's going to be healthy conversation about how to set boundaries and whatnot. But, you know, we all go through things growing up. So boundaries, super important. Um how would you in a new relationship try and have that conversation try and set a conversation about boundaries and what are some important topics when it comes to boundaries yeah when i when i think of boundaries personally um i think of a lot of different areas in my life where um i'm currently showing up and that i need space in and sometimes when i am uh, mad or scared or, um, angry. I I actually, I don't want to be touched. I I don't want to be, uh, hugged in the moment. Uh, I, I need to take a second and breathe and go into myself somewhere that I find my peace without being disturbed in that moment, because that is a very sacred time that, that, that I have with myself before I can have somebody run to me and give me a hug. Yeah. And it takes me a second because I feel irritable or um, on edge or not safe. And I need to find that safety in, in myself before I show up for somebody else or let somebody else in. And, and that's something that I personally, for me, um, was important for me to communicate. And, and not only that, it's actually something that's ever evolving. And that's the thing about boundaries is it isn't just, you know, here they are laid out in the first few weeks of whatever relationship that is with the understanding that they will change. I will tell you that this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm trying to get better with. And, and this is now what, what is new and, and how you can show up. Um, so I, I think that is some, uh, some real potent, um, knowledge uh on on boundaries and how to communicate them um and um, being honest there too just being completely radically honest yeah i really like what you were saying there especially near the end where you're talking about um how things do change a relationship is a growing enigma it is always changing it can change week by week month by month day by day second by second um very huge loved that so boundaries for me and once again, we were talking about this earlier. It, it's it's different for every relationship. Everyone has different specifications. Boundaries in a relationship that is that help it become a healthy, thriving relationship are completely open, mm-hmm. and it's it's covering so much in such a way. Um, earlier, we were talking about the difference between uh, monogamy and polygamy, um, and how. Uh, cheating or infidelity comes into play there. Um, And we're talking about all sorts of areas that we'll get into in, in, in a few minutes here, but boundaries for me, like there's, there's three, there's three sort of off the top of my head that I always sort of have in place. 
And once again, I've broken my own rules. But these are my guidelines. That's the thing about boundaries is is mm-hmm. sometimes they can be flexible. Sometimes they can't. One of my boundaries is I try not to have sex within the first three months. Yep. What happens in our body when we first get into a relationship is almost uncontrollable. And that is the chemicals, the brain, the neurological chemicals that get deposited into your body when you're you're first infatuated. There's five stages to a relationship. The first stage is called the honeymoon phase. You are a walking hormone, basically. I call it the... uh, (laughs) Sorry, I call it the... The the hormones and horniness uh, portion of the the five stages, you have oxytocin and dopamine and endorphins running through your body. Um, And it's all about that physical connection and nothing your partner can do could ever be wrong. They're the perfect human being. Um, And in this phase, you're thinking strictly (laughs) hormonally. There's no thought process usually outside of that. Some people are really yep. good at handling it. Some people aren't. Um, but what can commonly happen uh, at this phase in a relationship is you ignore red flags and inconsistencies and yep. things like that, s- specifically around boundaries. When I first start a relationship, I am a completely serial monogamist. Like, when I'm in a relationship, I'm in a yeah. relationship I don't like to share. I have no judgments for people that want to be in polygamous relationships. I, that's just not me, right? Um, yep. So, you know, making sure that those guidelines, you know, who's allowed to be involved in a relationship, um, all sorts of, you know, yeah, it's just... I agree. Man, it just wrinkles my brain thinking about the complexity of a relationship. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I, I think there's a great point there and in general, fantastic. Um, when we can unfortunately react on emotion and not our analytical, you know, responsible brain, when we do want to do something off of our emotion to even fill more flood of emotion through us, and what the consequences could be from that when in our you know frontal cortex or our analytical brain, we know that it might not be the best idea to go ahead with because of the potential consequences or the continual continualization of this undertone or undertow that we're feeling in the relationship. And talking about that and communicating about that is... Uh, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even remember, like, once again, I'm thinking back to my education system failing me as a teenager. Um, <laughs> Aw, yeah. Hashtag BC education. Um, so, you know, we're talking about the five stages of a relationship. I don't ever remember learning that in any course. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's... It's it's amazing how prevalent it is mm-hmm. for having a healthy relationship and building a healthy relationship because it does it has it goes in phases. So we talked about the first one, which is sort of the honeymoon phase. Um, very primitive reasons behind mm-hmm. this, and once again, a lot of how we live our lives has to do with how we developed and evolved a hell of a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Basically, that honeymoon phase was to justify population. <laughs> it makes you feel good, so you yep. screw like rabbits and you populate. <laughs> that was literally the reasoning behind it. Yeah, we're made to reproduce, um, basically. Absolutely, or else we'd die out. Apparently. <laughs> exactly. We're doing a pretty good job. I think we're like close to 7.5 billion people in the world. Wow. So evolution, good. Awesome. <laughs> Hopefully um, the world can sustain it. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, so t- stage two or phase two is sort of a doubt and denial. Your, your hormones are normalizing now. And yep. you are starting to see 
those little things come out that you ignored because everything was focused on sex pretty much it basically it was purely hormonal now the hormones have dialed back now you're becoming aware of the little things and this is this is where every little thing sort of adds up and 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 piles on um it's sort of a doubt and denial stage i call it the awareness phase you're becoming you're 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 not thinking with hormones you're actually starting to think with the brain now and this is where little little fights will come up about literally nothing. This is also a stage that I feel that um, <laughs> how you word things yep. changes in your brain. So, oh my God, phase one, honeymoon stage. Oh, I love that he's so spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Stage two, you never plan anything. <laughs> okay, well, that was something that you freaking loved. You've just somehow changed how you're looking at it and wording it. So there's... We really have to be aware of that, mm-hmm. right? Huge. Um, oh, I love how much he cuddles. We always cuddle. We're always like holding hands. I love it. Oh my God, he's too clingy. <laughs> like, same thing. Yeah. Different wordage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk about anything on this phase here? Um, Doubt and denial where the... Uh... I love it. I think it's... Uh... <laughs> kind of like the almost the do or die moment of like okay uh are we gonna show up or are we gonna be like nah we can't face this stuff um you can insert whatever word you want there um and actually you know really get through it and be honest with each other and own up because the undertow that i referred to previously is this realization well everything is sometimes really fantastic at the start what can start to happen is that low key realization of, Oh, there's some stuff here that I really should probably talk about, but I haven't. Um, Whoops. And now it's becoming more and more maybe of a bother to us. And yeah. Communication. It's that's the thing. And sitting down and having that and actually being emotional with each other. And in a way that is like holding space giving time and space for emotions to be felt for, from both parties. Yeah. Having, having Huge. the ability to share without being judged. Yeah. Uh, very important in this stage. Um, we were talking about earlier, we were talking about um, how media has an impact on relationships. Ooh. You watch rom-coms <laughs> or the, the Disney syndrome. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about basically you look at a Disney movie and how do they portray love? Oh no. Um, <laughs> There's a damsel in distress. Prince Charming comes and saves the day because apparently women aren't able to save themselves until recently in Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince Charming saves the day or whatever the other prince's names are. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and they live happily ever after. Well, there's like happily ever after is a very <laughs> dangerous term. Yeah. Happiness is something that is not a destination. It's something that has to be worked on. It's something that it's a choice, right? A lot of people walk around life thinking, um, oh, when I get to this level in my job, I'll be happy. When I get this car, I'll be happy. When I get that house, I'll be happy. Well, no. Mm -hmm. Um, Happiness is sort of a choice. And we could talk about happiness in a later podcast. Yeah. Um, I feel that even in like rom-coms and stuff like that, there's the only usually show the honeymoon phase yep they don't show the stages of a relationship and i know that's that's that would be a lot to show mm-hmm. but it's always so perfect when you watch it it's always like the dream relationship how does that influence how we expect relationships to be in everyday life Exactly. It's the control of the media. And unfortunately, that's what humans want to see. They want to see that relationships are so happy or another per, another person or persons are very happy in the relationship. And I'm sure like, you know, producers, and writers, they know they know this. They're they're very aware of all the, the rom-coms that, that have this in it. And they don't show one fight, one argument, one uh, time of of absolute hatred towards each other. It's all sunshine and, and, and rainbows for for it. And it's frustrating because, yes, as the, the listener, the viewer, 
you actually think maybe subconsciously in the back of your head that that's what a relationship should be. That on TV is those celebrities that I like and value and look up to, you know, they're, they're portraying that type of relationship and that's what I must have. Yeah. Or they think, um, there's something wrong with me or the way I'm showing up in a relationship or there's something wrong with my relationship because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, completely wrong. Um, at some point we'll have to discuss how our parents screw us up when it comes to relationships too, but that's not a discussion for today. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, um, let's hide the arguments. Yeah. So level three, um, moving forward, level three uh, in relationships, this phase is, is I usually, I refer to it as the power struggle. This is the breaking point. It's usually when people ask, should I stay or should I go? This is when a relationship is forming basically prioritization of who is how how we're supposed to show up right this is when um usually people people usually hit this phase unfortunately moments after moving in together and once again there's a lack of communication on what the expectations are of moving in together it's like hey i love you move in with me and then you get that relationship in a closed room yeah in a very small space a confined space and so and so never noticed it before, but yeah. they always put their dishes right beside the sink, not in in the sink, right, or right above the dishwasher, but never in the dishwasher. <laughs> and this is where yeah. the power struggle happens. This is yep. where you're trying to find where you fit in this relationship together, right? Mm-hmm. There's always, I I've never seen a relationship that doesn't have a dominant alpha in the relationship and a, and a beta, right? There's always one person that sort of has a little more power than the other person. It could be very close and a lot of people might be comfortable in either role, but this is like, if you get two alphas in a relationship that have moved in, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of conflict and um, a lot of energy moving through it. Right. Um, yeah. So this is once again, as I said, this is the breaking point. This is where people can be make that decision. This isn't for me, or um, yeah. this is like I'm yeah. willing to fight for this. And this is usually let's, this is where, as I said, it's this is where people end up exactly. separating. Yeah, unfortunately, but it makes sense given other people's way of living, their habits, their routines. And how your own habits, routines, way of life uh, converge with another person, and how you're now in uh, inhabiting a place together, and that you're not only maybe you know hanging out for a few hours during the day or sleeping together here and there, you're living with them, you know, twenty four seven. It's you and 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 them, whomever's it may be, and you got to figure it out, and it's not easy. Because two completely different people, often completely different upbringings, different family dynamics, different, you know, expectations and on how to show up as a partner. Because my parents showed up this way, yeah. but her or his or, or them, their parents, you know, showed up a different way. And how we can model that and how it may not work with the way we model ourselves as human i have an easy fix for this yeah this remember how i said at the beginning there wasn't a quick go-to guide or anything boundaries communication things that will help with this instead of throwing the plate across the room because you're pissed off that it's beside the sink once okay so we're gonna we're gonna touch on anger and emotions for a second and i'll speak and then Mm -hmm. you can speak here so emotions completely normal Mm mm-hmm Anger, completely normal. It is completely okay to be angry. So I'm going to dive a little deeper. It is completely okay to yell. It is not okay to yell at your partner. Scream into a pillow. Get into your car and scream the angriest music you know at the top of your lungs. Then come back and have a conversation, right? It's okay to hit pillows. 
punching bags, mattresses. It is not okay to hit a partner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Very important. This goes for all emotions. It's okay to cry. It's not okay okay to blame someone for why you're crying. Very important. Um, It's okay to be happy, right? It's your happiness, though. No one else created it. It's your happiness. Any thoughts on that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is your realm. Oh, my goodness me. So it's about feelings. And I love and hate feelings. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's They're great. They serve. But growing up as a competitive sports player, these feelings were discouraged to feel and if you were to feel them it's like are you gonna punch the other person out are you gonna fight them in the road or the alley or are you gonna put them down on the on the ice or how are you gonna let this out in a physical manner and it was like that was the number one go-to solution to actually feel the feels and that if you cried or if you got sad, the word sad even is quite affecting for me. And unfortunately, if you're seen in a public place being sad about a situation, there was this um, unfortunate stigma that you were weak or that you were not good enough or you weren't a certain way of being a human that was accepted. Toxic masculinity can be so damaging. Absolutely. We'll get to that eventually too. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No worries. Absolutely. And with that, a lot of uh, mostly males in my perspective in relationships, often with females, have a hard time feeling their feelings with their partners and actually being upfront and honest with what's going on within them and to also radically accept what's going on within them in that time. And how crucial it is to be honest so the other part of your parties can understand exactly how you're feeling and what the raw depths of your inner being is actually existing with. And what that can create in the relationship in terms of honesty and understanding and trust and connection and empathy. Yeah, that definitely, I, as I was saying at the beginning, where like understanding, seeing the relationship from both perspectives is so important where it's not just about you, the other person, the other domicile in your house, the other human being um, is, is, is a living, breathing organism as well. And what they have to say matters. Yep. Yeah. Geez, that was powerful. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was good. That was, thank you so much for sharing once again, being a, being able to be on a public in a public setting, whether it's a podcast or out in public, and, and being able to freely feel your emotions, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of hard work. Exactly. Considering, as especially as men, how we're taught how we're supposed to feel. Exactly. It's um, oh, conditioning in terms of soon after childhood, conditioning into teenagerhood, preteen, and how you should show up in terms of society society's expectations in regards to what is actually happening within oneself it like let's not have such a gap between that and yeah and absolutely break that stigma that unfortunately is affecting a lot of people yeah thank you so much for sharing that i really appreciate that of course um me too <laughs> so stepping back into this um i love that we can just do that side tangent that just gets deep i love that um so stage three was the the power struggle we move into stage four um i sort of have two terms for this this stage and you can find these guides online there's all sorts of different ways that they word it but they're all roughly the same so Mm -hmm. um for stage four i i consider is contentment and commitment Mm -hmm. um this is when you feel a bounce back to that friendship and connection that you had before. Now that you've 
worked through that power struggle. Um, you've had your arguments about the things that don't really matter. Right. And that's very important too. Um, if they put the paper, the toilet paper on the roll or not, <laughs> probably shouldn't be a level five argument. <laughs> but unfortunately in stage three, they are. Yeah. Dishes at the sink. Another common one. Um, this is where you feel that bounce back into understanding and friendship where you're both on the same page or at least in the same book. Maybe not on the same page, but at least in the same book. So yeah. the relationship sort of gains that that love and attraction and steady ground again. Um, you both become comfortable. And this is sort of, this is the contentment stage. This is where um, you're not fighting as much. You're you're aware of each other's routines and habits and it's no longer shocking. Yeah. Um, there's a balance that comes here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a way of a, it's a very, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, it's a very wonderful part of the relationship when you get to it. It's almost, it's, it's the honeymoon phase without the chemicals. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you're back to loving your partner for who they are. Exactly. Right. I you're, you're aware of the the ticks and the the yep. the challenges that they face and they're aware of yours mm -hmm. and you you just flow exactly in flow in flux aware creating that foundation and building upon it with stability trust and understanding to go in a direction that serves you both and that that might be that direction might actually be invisible to you for the rest of your lives but you know approximately where you're going on that path together. And and it and it leads straight into the the next phase, which is wholehearted love. This is where people decided that they're gonna be together for a long period of time. You know, mm -hmm. we're not gonna to touch on marriage and divorce or anything like that. But this is the this is the the understanding of each other. Wholehearted level mm -hmm. deeply on every level um and that's stage five that's yeah. usually where people lead to the the end of the relationship this is where people decide to get engaged congratulations um, thank you and decide to to make a go at it and as living things do it works out or it doesn't for many different reasons but that could be a topic for another day um Exactly. Yeah. So those those are the five stages. Yep. Touch on you for a second um, about some of the struggles that popped up in your relationships in the past. Is there anything that's notable? Well, definitely. Um, I would say in, in in the past. I mean, and in the present, for me, it's really being open and vulnerable and completely honest and coherent into what the intentions are, what is completely going on. Uh, and if there's anything going on that there's not being said, because ultimately you're doing a disservice to yourself and them, whomever it may be one or multiple that they're not going to know that something is going on. And so until you say it, and you might be showing up completely differently because you haven't said it yet and how that's creating stress, anxiety, frustration, worry, and ultimately like walking on eggshells. Exactly. And yeah, if either or multiple of the people are walking on any eggshells, just, just say it, do, do the, do the good, do, do the good. That's, that's what do I got. The good. Oh, that's do the wonderful. good. I love that. I can, so I'm high functioning ADHD. And one of the things that I had a conversation in my relationship recently, um, hashtag don't tell her we're talking about this, not actually, just not going <laughs> to say her name, um, was um, she wasn't feeling heard. So sometimes when she's talking about something, I'll jump right into the topic and have a bunch to say about it as well. Well, I'm so excited about that topic that yeah. she's brought up that I want to share. Like I'm passionate with you. And that's the way I sort of looked at it, but it wasn't coming off that way. And this is why communication is so important. 
if she, if she hadn't said, hey, when you do this, I don't feel hurt. Sometimes yeah. I need to talk and I need you just to listen. Yeah. Never would have known. Right. And it wasn't yeah. wasn't necessarily about anything important. Mm-hmm. Um, but without that communication would continually do it without yep. knowing I was causing damage. And that sort of touches on what you were talking about, like the eggshells where like you're holding on to something that needs to be said, but we don't want to damage our relationship. We don't yep. want to, to give the other person a reason for leaving. Yeah. And I, I, I want to ponder if that has to do with past relationships in our life where we felt that people have left because of our actions. Yep. Huge. And if that can... might have a, yeah might have a a leg to stand on in this this arena conversation that we're having yeah i I completely agree and we can play that uh we can we can we can blame ourselves so easily for our actions and that we don't want to do something to make things worse or bring up something that is potentially um an area or topic that is sensitive and we can sometimes as i know both of us being male and in a monogamous relationship it can have us be wary of what we do bring up and when and why and with that a little side piece here of being honest and radically accepting that what we are we've been doing or a pattern that we've had is now no longer serving the relationship and that we need to be open to accepting a new idea or a new way of showing up that may be better for them. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want to make things worse or deny their feelings or their emotions or jump over those feelings to talk about something that we're very passionate about. Keeping in mind all of them and all of us. And really prioritizing them if that is the necessary thing to do. That was worded so beautifully. Thank you. Wow. I'm going to have to take some time to think on that. Go back and listen to this. Um, So yeah, those are the sort of the five levels, the five phases of relationships. And uh, I think that's where we're going to end off here on this discussion about relationships. Um, Every two weeks, you can expect a podcast from us. And uh, the next one, I think we're just going to follow up. We're going to do a second part to relationships and we'll move forward there. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us with Peace and Love. I'm James. And I'm Jameson. And we hope to hear you guys or see you guys or listen to us shortly soon after at the following podcast. Exactly. And please check out the self-content on Instagram. And follow on all the places that you can to see and listen to podcasts that uh, our podcast is available on. And uh, on that note, we really do wish you an incredible day. And if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form, we encourage you to reach out, talk to someone, text someone, or even journal it, whatever it may be, to let those emotions out.